0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Living Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gabell.
1: And I'm your co-host, Brittany Welch.
0: And let me just be the first to welcome you guys to the new year 2021. Woo, we finally made it. Uh Ooh. this has to be a better year than last year, right Brittany?
1: I honestly have really high expectations for 2021. I think it's going to be a great year for all of us. <laughs> high
0: expectations. Yeah. You know, you you, head, you went to the Valley and now it's time to go to the peak, right? For 2021. Exactly. So yeah, hopefully let's go. We don't want to start a losing streak here. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm always looking for like silver linings and things. So what was, it's been a while since we've talked. Um, so uh, we're shaking the rust off, but what was the silver lining for you in 2020? What was something good that happened to you that maybe you weren't expecting?
1: I think, even though 2020 was a really challenging year for all of us, I think a big silver lining for me was that it really forced me to slow down. It forced everyone around me to slow down. And it really gave us the time and opportunity to appreciate what was really important to us at the time. So that was really nice. Yeah, what about absolutely. You? And-
0: And just just for anyone listening, we are doing this remotely through Zoom. So if there's some weird dip outs, that's why. Um, But yeah, for me, I started actually riding a bike just recently, which is really cool. I haven't done that. That's right. I haven't had a bike in a while. Um, But my mom came out to visit me to see the kids, which was great. Which, by the way, uh, the last we did one of these podcasts, I think my my daughter, you know, had just been born. And now she's 18. So... (laughs) A lot, a lot of time has passed, it feels like, um, but uh, but yeah, so I started riding a bike again. My mom came out, um, brought her bike, so I got to ride that for a little bit and I got hooked oh, and I was like, fun. oh man, I got to start doing this. So yeah, so I'm thankful for my mom for introducing me to some a new uh, healthy aspect that I can incorporate into my life. So that, that was my, that's my silver lining for 2020, I would say. Oh, that's by the great. way, fun fact, this is just random, uh, it, it just came to me, but silver lining Silver Linings was the name of the hot air balloon that I proposed to my wife in.
1: What? Yeah, That's so cool. It,
0: it, yeah, I know. It's so.
1: <laughs> I mean, for two reasons, you proposed to in a to her in a hot air balloon.
0: Yes. That's amazing. First, yeah. For, we went back to New Mexico, uh, the balloon fiesta. And yeah, we went up in the hot air balloon and I did that. Yeah, I, it was. How cool. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was wild. Major but anyway, creativity so that, it just came to me. there. <laughs> <laughs> had, I, I had, uh, uh, yeah, we were both feeling elated and elevated uh, that day. So that was great. But anyway, yeah, the name of the balloon was Silver <laughs> Lining. So that was, that was pretty cool. But uh, all right. Well, why don't we get uh, back into it and let's get into our topic for today. Which is your relationship to food. So, you know, at the start of every new year, we reassess a lot about our lives, where we are with our career, with our relationships. You know, we start to think, okay, Todd, it's been seven years. When are you going to pop the question in a hot (laughs) air balloon? You're going to do it. But uh, but perhaps it's also a good time to reassess another very important relationship that you probably don't think about very often. And that's your relationship to food. Is it a healthy one? Does it benefit you? Or does it drive you crazy and create a lot of negative self-talk? Are we really in control of our relationship with food, or are we letting too many external factors dictate what we eat? Well, today's a fresh start, a chance to talk about how we think about food and how we can start a new, healthier relationship with food. So joining us virtually today is our go-to guest for all things nutrition, Debbie James. How you doing, Debbie?
2: I am excellent, Andrew and Brittany. Thanks again for having me. Welcome to the new year.
0: Yes. All right. It's good to be here. It's good to be in the new year and good to be talking with you again. Uh, We always have fun. But before we get started here, I just want to remind everyone to subscribe if you aren't already a subscriber It's the best way to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone as soon as they come out, which is every other Monday. We like to bring on nutrition experts, fitness experts, general health experts to talk about a variety of topics to keep you motivated and healthy. So hit subscribe and then sit back, relax, and let our nutrition advice wash over you like an epiphany on a yoga retreat. All right. Thank you for subscribing, and now let's get on with the show. So, Debbie, first question, we're talking about relationships with food, but what does it mean to have a relationship to food? We aren't asking people to go out and marry a stock of celery or something, right?
2: (laughs) Certainly not. It doesn't respond that way. It might droop (laughs) if you you don't keep it in water,
0: I suppose.
2: but uh, You know, I would actually say that we have varying relationships, plural, with food, so when we attach emotion to eating certain items, when we use food as a tool to punish or reward ourselves instead of when we eat for you know nourishment, survival, uh, and also when we assign strong positive or negative outcomes to eating food, all those things are not normally present if you look at animals that they eat, they eat, they're hungry, they mm, eat. Right. Yeah, it's very simple.
0: Right. Right. So what is it something where like, how does that begin? Is it something where we should start thinking more about how and why we eat instead of what we're eating?
2: Oh, you are so right. Uh, it certainly takes both how, why, and what we eat to make healthful choices, especially if you're considering an energy balanced manner. But for many of us, we need to take a moment and consider why we chose that food you know, before you put it in your mouth. And by, by thinking, why did I reach for that, you hmm. might be led to change even that choice or how much of it to consume.
1: So that leads us to the next question in terms of how do you stop that sort of negative talk that you have going on in your head or the guilt that it leads to from maybe eating that type of food?
2: Uh, first, I don't think that our self-talk Regarding eating or food, lives in isolation. All right. If you look at your in entire mm-hmm. body, environment, life, everything, and we're being very holistic here, it's not in isolation. So I'll reference Psychology Today. Uh, they mentioned an organization that indicated 80% of one's thoughts on a daily basis are negative. So wow. your thought about wow. a meeting, your thought about, are you going to make it home on time, you know, whatever, were negative. Right. And then I talked to uh, a colleague, uh, Kate Bruno. She's a dietitian specializing in eating disorders out of Charlottesville, Virginia. And she said, "The way we treat ourselves is is often an expression of underlying pain, emotion, self-esteem, self-worth. And that's not just about eating. I mean, the way you treat yourself in, in how you dress, in the people relationships you choose. So I think, one has to really talk, readjust the conversation that you have with yourself in general um, about how productive you are, how you approach exercise, about your appearance. There are many suggestions offered by psychology professionals and therapists and counselors to improve this dialogue that we have with ourselves. So one way is by rephrasing statements you make about yourself these internal you know, conversations you have. So for example, instead of saying, I didn't eat well this week, you need to point out the successes. Well, I managed to get in several good balanced meals. Okay. Instead hmm. of condemning yourself, well, I just blew it with that night out. You could say, I'm glad I was able to relax for a while and avoid those restrictions.
1: So Debbie, I was wondering if you could touch on um, something I was thinking about. What are some of the negative signs that you would look for in somebody that is really struggling with their diet in this way?
2: Oh, wow. That's great. Uh, one is certainly if you're you know, overhearing verbal comments, like out loud, all these internal thoughts that are supposed to be internal, right, that are actually out loud a lot of times someone will be saying not to you directly, but in your vicinity, like, I shouldn't eat this, this brownie's bad for me, you know, kind of language. Yeah. But what I look for, which oftentimes family members or loved ones won't know about, so this would be more about you than, than someone else, but a red flag that we tend to look for, if someone is eating in private or secret or, or sneaking food, then, you know, there's a lot of shame and blame and, uh, that kind of negativity associated with it. If they can't be honest with themselves to, you know, have it at the kitchen table. And I think maybe, maybe looking for some therapy or addressing that is, is worth doing.
1: I think sometimes dealing with eating issues, especially for people who are on the younger side. It's a very emotional and embarrassing topic to discuss, especially among friends and family. I think what would be your best advice in terms of going forward with somebody that you see struggling with that? What would be your best way of finding them help or seeking out help for them?
2: I, I would definitely, I know that the term eating disorders sounds strong to anyone Mm -hmm. that's like, Oh, that's only anorexia and bulimia. That's all clinically diagnosed, blah, blah, blah. But it's not. I worked with a college athlete that um, had gone away uh, to another state and her coach basically, you know, put her on temporary leave from the team because she was so overly restrictive, but get this, it uh, was on how healthful the foods were and so she wouldn't eat anything wow. that didn't fit in her her paradigm it didn't have necessarily to do with the calories or her weight it was mm-hmm. just oh i can't eat anything that has an additive i can't eat anything that has food coloring i can't eat anything that and it just so her narrow became so small um and and she needed uh, I referred her to an eating disorder specialist because those right. that team really deals with disordered patterns of eating. And that includes the secret eating I was talking about. That includes binging. Um, there are binge drinkers too, um, just like kind of gambling. It's right. You fall into it and it's like this deep, bottomless pit uh, to climb out of that you need help.
0: Right. You know, on the negative self-talk thing, it's like, I know so many women... I. I would say the percentages have to be crazy high, especially among women on who talks like that. I hear women talk that way all the time. Like, no, I can't have that. Oh, I'd be bad if I had that. No, I, you know, and it's just like, man,
1: well, I told you last week I had that exact same. I would do that when I would go get a green juice. I would be like, no, I can't have the apple cause it's too much sugar. But then, I mean, I could go, you'd right, go into right. it. It's a very negative, this negative relationship. And it's, it's weird how we view, view it in our heads because we don't really look at it as healthy. We look at it as how is our body going to look after? And I think a lot more people view it that way than viewing it from a right. healthy perspective. I think Oh yeah, and then it, it
0: becomes like a a, a it becomes a, a social pressure thing, I would think, or a peer pressure right. thing, where it's like, okay, if you say that, and then your girlfriend's like, oh, I know, I need to, blah blah. It just like recycles it and it fortifies it. It no one, no one wants to break away from the pack of being like the person that yeah, if you leaves if you that condemn trend, it and right? everybody
2: else at the table could, oh yeah, French fries are the worst. They're gonna make your hips, blah 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 blah. <laughs> then. Oh my gosh! The next time you go out together and you want to order French fries, you're not going to do it. I mean, you're just you you right. have that wall up, so that's probably one of the things you're going to go straight to the drive-through after on your way home. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And so it's like to break that, you have to be like really willing to go against the tide of your f- group of friends. You really, but the reward possibly is that you unlock everyone else in your group that kind of wants to go that other way too but they're all scared so maybe you can be the strong one to to bring everyone around to a healthier relationship with food um do do you think when it comes to when you when it comes to like how, how you're talking about it kind of like it's it's part of the Issue, you know, there's a lot of negative self-talk, not just around nutrition, but it seems like it's easy to get into kind of a neg a cyclical negative cy- cycle. I guess that was cyclical yeah, like a itself. spiral, that, <laughs> exactly. yeah, a spiral, right? <laughs> so, how do you do you think nutrition is a good starting point to break that trend, and then everything kind of begins to head the other direction, or do you think nutrition is the hardest step compared to exercising, or you know, where where would you place that in you know a stopgap measure?
2: Wow. It's definitely just one facet. And for some people it is the hardest and for Uh -uh. others, maybe it's, it's the exercise, right? Because people are watching you and you have to look, you know, feel like you look a certain way. Um, but the, the the changing how you think and talk about yourself, maybe food isn't the first thing I'd, I'd think of that conversation that self-worth the, the, being connected and you're worthy of love and affection and things like that, I think humans basically want to be uh, appreciated, connected, and, and loved. I think that's our primary you know, drive and behavior. I think the food part, we get stuck in the psychology of uh, all the different reasons that we eat that aren't hunger, but I don't think it's the first thing in negative self-talk. I, I shouldn't say that as a dietitian. I should say it's the first thing. It's the most important thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, but it is. But it is an important aspect because it is something that, uh, you know, it is something that you're faced with every day is the need to eat. Like you have to eat, and so and the choices you make. You're constantly faced with what are you going to choose to eat, and so that puts that right in front of you. You have a choice to be negative, neutral, or positive about it every single moment you come in. You know, into that decision, so it does. You do face it a lot. So I can see how, if you took a different approach, you'd really have to kind of practice it um, initially to kind of break through.
2: And and I agree with that. And it's taking sort of personal responsibility. You said all of these choices, and it, that's exactly what it is. For most of us that aren't, you know, bed bound and someone spoon feeding us, we we have a lot of right. options as in what we eat, when we eat, how much we eat, you know, who who with and everything that those are our choices that we make.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though, going off of choices, how we do have choices, but something that I was thinking about when I was thinking about, you know, having a relationship to food was that in all relationships, trust is really important in any relationship And for me, I know that I'm more suspicious of like our snack foods because of how companies create products that basically manipulate our taste buds and and kind of stimulate our brain to want more or want to eat more. Um, The science behind making, you know, food taste good and creating that strong desire to have more is really kind of concerning almost um, because it's almost like they're hacking us in a way and which I believe kind of strips away a little bit of that you truly are in control, um, with, unless you're aware of that. So kind of, how can we maybe trust foods more or decide what foods are worth trusting? You know, kinda is that, I like is a that important?
2: Subject, yeah.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> well, course. it's actually, it's, it's percolating <laughs> in my mind. as something I might want to go into a lot more in a future episode, but, uh,
2: well, I'll say that, um, uh, as a caveat, I mean, of course, if you're sticking to whole foods, then there wouldn't be that issue. But I right. do understand what you mean about processed foods affecting our senses right. and as and our drive to eat, uh, you know, repeatedly choose them again, because I mean, food science as an industry, it, it, it's huge, I probably could have gone into that as a, a career. But then right. I wouldn't be able to talk to you fine folks. So right. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, if, if it's in a wrapper, or a box, you do have to be a little suspect of whether the manufacturer is just putting lipstick on a pig, right? It, it right. sounds yes. good with the language that they're using and the description that you're that they're using. And, and sometimes it just sh- shadows it a little too much. Um, mm-hmm. One thing we like to do at our house is kind of a game is we'll take a package or at a restaurant, a menu you know, item, and then we'll actually read it and omit every single adjective and see what we're left with.
0: Huh. Interesting. Could you give us an example of that? That sounds really interesting.
2: Let's say that there's a snack cracker or something. And the original version says, you know, this savory, delectable, crunchy snack fulfills your every hunger whim between (laughs) meal. And so we read it and we're like, snack, whim, meal, you know, just take out every and see what you're left with. Yeah. Huh
0: which is kind of funny but right take out all the fluffy language the marketing take the marketing out of it and right. see what the real what the actual item is not the sizzle around the item right
2: ooh that's
0: right yeah yeah but yeah it, there's I- there's
2: food science there are things that are trigger our natural response to fat and sugar from our survival mechanism uh, that hit that ratio and say mm I want to eat that again
0: right even if you're yeah. not
2: hungry even if you just finished you're like mm right. there's more and you keep digging in
0: right yeah. And that's, a, that was a good it's distinction a you made mind about like. versus
1: body game. Very much yeah.
0: so. Right. Yeah. The whole, like the whole foods versus snack foods. And it's definitely way more prevalent in like the snack food area, which I assume we all snack perhaps if you're, you know, normal, you probably snack a little bit or you try stuff. I have a feeling Debbie stuff.
1: doesn't snack very much.
0: Oh, she Oh my snacks. God. I'm a
1: grazer actually.
0: Grazer. Yeah. Nice. I, I, actually, I really
1: do. I. That's not a bad kind of snacker meals. to be. <laughs>
0: no um well like to me I'm like how do you make a chip taste like a cheeseburger you know what I mean like that's maybe let's slow our roll a little bit and be like is this this is not natural at all there's like they are this is clear like chemistry going on to make that happen and so if they can do that like what else are they doing to me like I was even reading stuff about how they they research the perfect bite uh, pressure mm-hmm. it, it'll take to snap a chip that is yes. rewarding to your brain, and it's yes, like four are pounds are per square machines. inch. It's
1: exactly
2: right,
0: but and when, so. did not you say then
1: like, it all comes back down to awareness? Yes, I would, I think and so. I, I don't
2: think that we want to be distrustful of food. I think that's another negative. you know, emotion or association that we're going to have with food. And we're talking today about getting away from that. So I think it's just awareness. Just acknowledge that sometimes those things are present, particularly if it's a wrapped, prepared, you know, ready to eat item that, oh, well, this is different than just eating an apple. I know that because they made it. I mean, somebody made this triangular shaped pizza flavored orange um,
1: powdery. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Well. Like so what
1: you were talking about in regards to the self-talk, I would say a lot of it comes down to just being aware of that and understanding that. If you know that it's going on, I feel like it would be a much easier battle to combat if you're aware. Yeah. Not. And
2: and we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention to our self-talk. We're not paying attention to our natural hunger cues. We have so many external things going right. on telling us what time it is to eat all the, you know, commercials or, uh, other signs and things that say what you should eat, you know, popular diet trends and what's in the, uh, magazines or on social media that says, this is the hot new thing you have to do. You have to try. Right.
0: Do you, yeah that was something that I was curious about. It seems like like you talked about we how ha- like other animals they have, you know, they they get hungry, they go hunt and they eat. Like it's pretty simple, I guess. Um have we over time kind of gotten so far away from that that now we we don't even realize natural we realize natural hunger cues when we're really hungry, but we'll also like rely more on the all these external ones like you mentioned like scheduling you know dinner is normally 5 30 for people or something like that and can that be counterproductive to actually try and schedule your meals into traditional meal times if maybe that's not right for your body
2: oh yeah i'll let me go back and say you know as infants okay as babies that we we ate when we were hungry. If we didn't get it, we cried. It's very simple. And then once the moment of say a, a toddler, you know, excuse me, even before preschool, then the shift comes on to the parents' schedule or the caregivers, the daycare schedule for when meal and snack time is and what's served, rather than the own uh, the body, the individual's body clock. So mm-hmm. leading into your your question about the meal times for most of us, I'd say that it's good to have a consistency of a meal schedule, because it gives you routine to stick to, you know, you don't miss meals, you can sit with others at the kitchen table, and you can hold on to your restaurant reservation, because it's at a certain time, right? <laughs> Just like setting our exactly. wake up. Yeah, our wake up on our sleep times. Uh, like, everyone has a little bit of a different circadian rhythm. So for you, maybe dinner is at 7 o'clock for someone else. But as long as it's consistent and routine, I think that's okay. It's very healthy. It doesn't mean that you have to have uh, a dinner-sized platter portion. Maybe that 6 o'clock rolls around if that's your evening meal time, and you had, you know, a buffet at lunch, then sit down with a salad. Like, that could be that meal for that time. Uh, The exception, though, I'll have to say, uh, which is really tough – are the graveyard and night shift workers. And they mm. really have to readjust their internal clocks to the work schedule. And I'm not even gonna get into all right. the 24 hour, you know, shift options there, but you can't just rely on a clock. You also have to rely on what your sleep and work schedule is.
0: Right. Do you think uh, because I am currently I'm, eh, I'm kind of going through them, but are there, are there room for challenges in a healthy relationship to food? So challenges being like avoiding a certain food, like I'm not going to eat you know desserts for a week or I'm gonna avoid fast food or something like that. Are there room for challenges in a healthy relationship to food or does that kind of reinforce a negative relationship to food that certain things are, are bad and I need to you know cut, cut them out?
2: Okay, let me ask you. About, perhaps I wasn't following. Are you self-imposing this? I'm not going to eat desserts for a week. Like that's yes, the right? Bump. It's
0: uh, yeah, oh. yeah. Like it's self, like it's self-imposed. Like in terms of like I, I'm going to give up, you know, desserts for a week, or I'm not going to eat fast food for a month, or something like that. You know, those kind of challenges of like I'm going to, you know, go a period of time without eating something that maybe you deem as unhealthy for you. Is Ooh, that is there so, room for those still?
2: in in a healthy relationship with food you kind of have to give yourself permission but in terms of and this is another podcast talk hello audience uh, but in <laughs> jump starting your diet sometimes having a clean break from your present routine it can be beneficial it's like wiping the slate you know clean and doing something drastically different than what you're doing now really gets people motivated. Uh, some hmm. folks work better on a little bit of moderation than an all or nothing for those that have strong negative self-talk or, you know, issues there. I don't think that, uh, that all or nothing, I'm not going to eat any dessert this week is healthy. It, it's just setting yourself up for, well, what are you going to do? What's plan B if, you find yourself in this where you did. Okay. Well, boom. I had a milkshake on Wednesday night. So is the whole plan off, you know, are, right, right. are you just starting every time that you do that? You're just saying a new week starts like, so you can forgive yourself five times that week. Um,
0: right.
2: <laughs> you really got to learn forgiveness. Say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. Um, right. <laughs> so more put, put, put some numbers to it. Maybe you could say I'm, only going to have dessert two nights this week so then that all oh, I get I get to enjoy I get the pleasure but I get to choose and decide you know is that going to be you know my family's house Friday night is that going to be when I'm cozy watching you know a movie on the sofa Sunday rather right. than that the kind of all or nothing that you're talking about
0: so built building in some flexibility to maybe your yeah. challenges so that you know you you kind of allow yourself a slip up, I suppose. I I would think that maybe challenges are also or more for like people. a reward. Yeah, you can think of it.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's somewhat of a similar like reward system. If you don't eat it for a few days, then you get ice cream on Friday. Well, I but would. That, say yeah, maybe let's, that's counter. not put
2: the the reward on the ice cream because then then you're not using food for for hunger pleasure. Rather than right. you're rewarding your behavior or you're rewarding your ability to follow through with the plan you set mm-hmm. therefore you're going to allow yourself you know x y z i guess
0: right that is that's interesting the whole reward concept because i think it's something that people uh, would initially see as a very positive thing but I can see how it actually kind of is counterproductive or it can be counterproductive because it kind of reinforces that some things are good. Some things are bad when it's like food is food and it's really about moderation or how much you're having of each, And are you eating a balanced, you know, um, balanced amount of food. But you see a lot of people of
1: viewing it the other way. Like, Oh, if I don't eat this all week, then I can go out for the, you know, the couple drinks on Friday with, you know, my friends and eat kind of, what I want throughout the weekend, not to say that it's the right way to view it, but.
0: Well, no, that's what I mean. I think a lot of people do see it that way. They see it like that's a positive thing. i with
2: the whole approach of, we call it sometimes, you know, an 80-20 approach, where if you're good 80% of the time with all of your food choices and they're healthy and they're balanced and they're calorie moderated and blah, 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 you know, the other 20% of the time, whatever indiscretions you have will probably balance out and take care of themselves so that kind of approach is good i just wouldn't assign that individual you know because i did this this week i'm going to reward myself with these fries i would just more or less say (laughs) oh you know this is the time when i am going to appreciate and enjoy this experience you know because i get to because i get to because Mm uh not you know A plus B Mm -hmm. equals C. It's it's not a tit-for-tat kind of thing, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. And maybe that's why. Maybe because it is, like, this is so honestly, it's actually becomes a little bit complicated when you think about your relationship to food, just like a lot of relationships. It, they can be complicated. There's a lot of nuance. And it's the same thing with food <laughs> where you really can, depending on how you view, you know, a reward or it's just, you're letting, it's okay. You know, like how you kind of view that. So maybe the best thing you can do is really just assess your relationship to food. Like how do you naturally approach it right now? Are you more negative? Are you more laissez-faire about it? how are you? And then you can kind of, you know, go from there to determine what's best for you moving forward in the new year. Um, But I mean, so far, I feel like it's been a pretty good conversation, but we always finish with actionable advice. Um, So Debbie, I kind of want to know, boiling it down, what's the first step to getting out of a bad relationship with food? Um, And what's the first step to starting a healthy one?
2: Okay, you had just mentioned uh, before that question about recognizing, you know, the way you are. So I'll say recognizing and stopping the unhealthy habits. You first have to take stock just objectively of your current choices and behaviors. So to be unbiased, a little self-assessment, you know, like over a week or so. uh, And I, I don't mean a diet analysis. I don't mean any kind of numbers about calories and nutrients. I mean, looking at the whys and hows of all of those eating decisions, like what nice. triggered you to eat this when you weren't hungry, um, what led you to keep eating even though you were already satisfied? So you kind of have to take that neutral, non-judgmental um, assessment, yep, of what those self-talk things are, what those choices or behaviors are. And then you said, oh, what's the first step to starting healthy?
0: Yeah, starting a healthy relationship with food.
2: Okay, well, two things to share. Um, One is that the National Eating Disorders Association, on their website, they say forming a healthy relationship with food includes the principles of relaxed eating, choosing preferences over positions, and balancing or practice balance and flexibility. So I'd say that the first of those was relaxed eating, and that's becoming more at peace with food. So eat to satisfy your hunger and pleasure without judgment, remorse, or punishment. So that's kind of what we were talking about that, you know, the 20% of the time you can kind of let go and and not worry about it. Um, The eating disorder specialist, Kate Bruno, that I mentioned, she also mimics this advice because she advises uh, patients to make choices out of love instead of fear and care for yourself generously and I like this because it mentions uh, what you had said, Andrew, about relationships with others. So care for yourself the way you'd provide for a loved one who's visiting with you, which I thought oh. was kind of interesting. Um, you know, if if we live from a place of peace and acceptance and flexibility, your body's going to thank you, and your relationship with food is going to begin to neutralize. Doesn't mean you're going to reach all of those, you know, goals and health outcomes. know that you want but at least it's not going to be with a bunch of tension and and stress
0: right right okay so i guess that's more than one step yeah
2: (laughs) it's it's that remind that and follow all those
0: steps be more relaxed right right the acceptance of it's okay you know um it's okay it's gonna be okay we're gonna gonna whisper it to you it's gonna be okay in 2021 (laughs) all right well thank you debbie for joining us again on the show we appreciate it thank you thank you All right. And a big thank you to all of our listeners and members out there. Thanks for sticking with us in 2020. We hope this episode inspired a few of you to reassess how you think about food and to start creating those healthy habits in the new year.
1: Now, if you want more content like this, make sure you subscribe so you can get next week's episode delivered straight to your phone.
0: We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode, but until then, live healthy and we'll see you in the gym.
1: See you then.